Welcome to this week's Devil in the Detail podcast. I'm Rob Paxson and we're here talking all things Salford Red Devils. John, joining me on the show this week, as ever, everyone's favourite, Paul Whiteside. How's your week been, mate? If I was going that far, yeah, been all right, mate. Thank you. Yeah, very good, very good, very good um, weekend, really. I think the, the buzz of the Huddersfield game just sort of stayed with me all weekend and sort of carried on uh, rolling on that uh, that dice all, uh, on Monday, Tuesday. So it's perked me up anyway. But yeah, I'm, I'm very good. Thank you, mate. Very good. Yeah, also joining us on the show, we've got Paul Parkin. Parky, how's your week been? Uh, you know, pretty standard. Can't remember anything happening, really. Um, <laughs> no. No, no, nothing great happened. I don't think since I last spoke to you. Can't yeah. remember. Uh, oh, there was one thing, wasn't there? Oh yeah, up the reds, up the reds, the, the win. That's all. That's we're uh... back. We're back. That's yeah, that like Paul said, that was the uh, that was the big thing this week. That certainly perked everybody up, didn't it? Great performance, and uh, yeah, it, it just makes the week go go quicker and better. I think I, I think that's the same for everyone. But yeah, great, uh, great to get a win back on the board. Yeah, yeah, I'm having a. You know, the, the wind perked me up as well. Um, I'm having car problems still, which is a bit of a nightmare. Um, you go whatever six months without no rugby, rugby comes, and then you get more. You can't get mobile, uh, Paul. It's a bit of a problem. <laughs> it's at least you might have to invest in something there, mate. Invest in, invest in a bike or something. Basically, that's the that's the next that's the next plan, Parky. Uh, go, and, go and get one of them e-scooters maybe on the on the M62 next week. Well, that'd be fun, yeah. yeah. On a wet night over to West Yorkshire, I'm sure that'd be fantastic. <laughs> a way trip to uh, to the KC Stadium on that. Best of luck, yeah. Get your car fixed. Get me, basically, get me on pocket and get the car fixed. That's the uh, that's the plan. Uh, so loads to, loads to go up uh, this week. We're going to look back at the, the victory. Uh, against Huddersfield, we've got all the big news coming out of Salford this week, and then we're going to preview the Leeds game, uh, which is now on Sunday. So what we'll do, we'll start off with the victory against Huddersfield Giants. You're listening to Devil in the Detail, and this is your big match review. So, Salford Red Devils were victorious against Huddersfield Giants away from home. They won 9-8. Uh, Paul, what a fantastic win. Yeah, yeah, it was a fantastic game, mate, to be honest. I mean, I know sometimes people enjoy the high-scoring games and lots of tries, but for me, that, that game was uh, from minute one to eight. It was just edgy stuff. It was brilliant. Absolutely fantastic game. You know, lots of incident, action-packed, you know, where everything went on in it. Um, yeah, it was, it was a great game, a great sort of adversity that we were in, and, and the way the, the the lads showed up there in the second half, it was it was thrilling. It was it was wonderful to watch, and when that Uter went at, at, at full time, it was just a relief really, and um, I was nearly crying at the end. It was just just amazing, and I just I just saw Richard Marshall, and I felt so good for him because you know he's, he's took so much stick over the last few weeks, and the pressure's been on him there, and. To see him smile at the end and punch in the air and, and to see sort of Ian Watson shuffling off, I, th- I thought it was great. I, th- I thought we deserved it. We deserved the result. And, uh, you know, we played played really well on the night. But when they had that drop goal attempt and it sort of hit the post, <laughs> I guess having kittens then, I just wanted to pick the ball up. It was, uh, no, it was great. It was one of them games you remember. You remember for a long time, though. definitely. Yeah, great result. Parky, you asked for a commitment to the cause. You asked for effort. Gave it in space, didn't they, on, on uh, Huddersfield? Couldn't ask for any more, and, and no fan could. If 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 that result had gone away from us, which it could have done, you know, with twelve men and everything going on around the game, 
I'd have still been as proud as I am now. Uh, it was he's everything that I've asked for for the last few weeks. The 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 actual sort of strength, the, the mental strength to stay in the game for as long as they, they could. Uh, the work the work ethic was unbelievable. He just did not stop. The defense was was something incredible. Um, so yeah, just just so proud of him. So proud. That's what if we can play like that every week, put that effort in. We're not we're not that team at the second bottom of the league. We're not we're a lot better than that. Um, and it it was just fantastic to see the team work together. Like I said, when we went to twelve men, I mean, I I instantly thought, well, that's it. That's killed the game. Now we 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 can't compete. You know, we struggled a couple of weeks ago uh, ago against Old KR with, with twelve men, uh, and that was only for ten minutes. You know, the opposition scored two tries. This time, different. Just a different team, different ethic. Um, I, I was just so proud of him at the end of the game. Like Paul said, I mean, it, it was a bit emotional, really, at the end. It was so, you know, it, it was punching the air stuff. We've done it, we've cracked it, and we've done it with, with 12 men against a supposedly, you know, a big team. One of the, one of the teams is going to finish in the top four, I think, according to most uh, predictions before the start of the season. So, great effort. Away from home, brilliant. Yeah, fantastic performance. We, us fans can't ask for, ask for anything more than that. We did sort of a, have to climb a mountain, though, uh, Paul, because uh, Lee Mossop w- was sort of pulled uh, uh, pulled before kickoff uh, due to injury. You know, things like that puts you in real sort of backs to the wall mentality, and I think it helped. Yeah, it did. I, I mean, you've only got to look at the players who came. Jack Armanroy came in. That was that was late on, but I think you know Jack Wells. I thought he he stood up and. I couldn't believe how much running that he did. He just he just seemed to be there all the time, taking the ball up. And I think he sort of came of age in that game and uh, showed that he's a real hot property. We're talking about England teams and things like that in the World Cup. You know, for a young forward there, if he can maintain that sort of performance, he'll be in with a shout because he's he's really impressed me and he's got better and better every week. He tackled everything that moved, ran the ball and ran his blood to water. And I thought he was tremendous. And he gave us a massive lift. I thought for me, though, um, Dan Sargison's presence before the game and around the players and when we kicked off, he just seemed to give everybody a lift. He's so vocal on there. And I think, I, I probably said it in the report, we actually thought about um, him being, um, what's the word I'm looking for? He, a bit clumsy at times, sometimes with his tackling, but you wouldn't want to take that away from him because he's such an influence on everybody else, you know, his enthusiasm and what he puts in. So it's a fine light, it's a balancing act now. Richard Marshall's got to do you never ever want to get rid of that enthusiasm because that's what makes the man he is but you've just got to sort of I don't know just calm him down a bit because he is becoming a bit of a liability but he definitely gave the team a massive lift and I know you listened to Ian Watson he was disappointed that he sent the wrong man off because he knew that Dan Sargison was was such a good player and, and he had an influence in the game but that's that's another story I thought he was tremendous but Chris Atkin as well I thought he guided the team around the, there were so many great performances that you couldn't really sort of single anybody out I think everybody who played in that match was was tremendous and the, the way they worked and, and young Ben Davis as well from St. Helens I mean the young kid there he, he was you know played a played a real sort of tough game there you know, you know wise what's the word I'm, I'm looking for words here now he was like a, a real um what do you call it? Well, yeah, he played, you know, above his experience, really. He played like he'd been playing the game for 10, 15 years. And, yeah. you know, he's only a young kid. And he, the, the way he was so calm there at the end, I think he was the guy who, who pouched the ball from that drop goal attempt. And he was there and made the ball safe. So I don't know what the script is. We forgot to ask Richard Marshall, didn't we, about if he's staying. Cause he was on a two-week loan. So I don't know if he's gone back. But he, he deserves a lot of credit, that lad. 
yeah, it was it was a fantastic performance. Let's just have a quick look at the the the, the game in the highlights, Parker. Uh, Andy Ackers uh, with our try score under the post. Fantastic scoot uh, from Dummy to get over there. Yeah, yeah, very clever. I mean, you know, we we were spoiled in the last couple of years, weren't we? With having Joey Lussick doing that every other week, um, and it just shows you when you've got a, a key experienced player in that role. You know, if we can keep him in the team, we missed him. You know, he's, he's probably played 50% of the games this year so far. He, he's, he has a great influence on the game. I thought he had a fantastic game the other night again. He was in everything we did. He worked so hard in defence and, and attack. And and so, you know, to have the, the, the sort of vision to see that, to see what was happening. And if you watch it, how, how the tackle before we drew defenders in. He spotted it beforehand. He knew what he was going to do. It was all pre-planned. I thought he had an excellent game, to, to be fair. And it's great to have him in the team because it makes such a difference to have an actual hooker at that role. Uh, I know it's not so much hooking anymore, but, you know, as that, that acting half. Um, I, thought, I thought he had a brilliant game and, and controlled things really well. Uh, another one who I think, I think like Paul said about Sarge, I think he's very vocal. I think he's great with the team. I think he has such a, an influence when he's not got the ball in hand. Um, it, it helps. But, yeah, he got us off to a, to a, to a great start, didn't it? Um, great vision, a little, uh, a little dive over. So let's hope there's more of that to come from him. Yeah, very impressive performance from the from the spine. Uh, Paul Declan Pat and Chris Atkin pulling the strings. Two of the here wasn't wasn't involved, uh, but you you didn't really you see any difference. They were fantastic, both of them either side of the rook asking questions, and that's uh, that's the important thing. Obviously, when you when you're playing against these uh, top sides, uh, you need to be prompting and pro- probing them, and that's what happened. Yeah, well, for me, the first thing I noticed on Friday was we were playing to a bit more of a, a structure, a bit more of a game plan, and putting pressure on Huddersfield. I, I can't remember how many times Huddersfield kicked the ball dead. We got a, a, quite a few of them seven tackle sets because we, we pressured them and, and made them panic. So I think our game plan was absolutely spot on. It really was from, from 1 to 13. The whole spine played well. Forward ran hard. The enthusiasm was there and, and they put pressure on Huddersfield. I think they panicked at, at times in that first half. And, uh, you know, we, we, we didn't score loads of points, but I think we, we were head and shoulders above them, I thought. I didn't think... I never thought they looked like scoring. I think we really limited them to chances. And you can say, oh, Huddersfield were poor. I don't think they were poor. I think we just didn't let them play because our defence was so good. Markers were really solid and you didn't give them any room. Or You know, you look at the side, they've got their... That, um, uh, Cogger, the, the halfback, got injured early doors, so Aidan Caesar came on. So it just shows you what riches they've got there to bring a guy on like that. And, you know, he, he's um, one of those that's up there for the Man of Steel, isn't he? He's, he's one of the best halfbacks in the league and always raved about. But we never let him have any room or any space. Same with Lee Gaskell. They never really got going, but that's credit to how you defend and how you put pressure on teams. Yeah, obviously, we're now we'll talk about the, the big moment in the game, the, uh, the sending off, uh, Parker. Um, I think it's fair to say that the ref got the wrong man uh, and, he, and he was a big, big influence on the game uh, on his decision, which he made. Yeah. Oh, did he get the wrong man? I don't know. No, no one's mentioned it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, look, yeah, it's a terrible mistake from the referee and, and his officials. Uh, something should have been done about it, I suppose, in all fairness. Uh, as much as certain people have had a whinge this week about it, uh, it, it is right, it shouldn't have happened. And did get the wrong man. Um and, and you've got to feel for Greenwood because he's, he's back in the team and he's a he's a player that I really I really he impresses me every time he plays and we've missed him quite a lot as well uh, and it's a shame that he had to you know he had to go off um, but yeah I mean when you see you know when you see you only see it at one angle don't you and I didn't 
I didn't see how high or whatever he's, he's took him. But he's definitely clumsy. He's definitely he, he's reckless when he jumps in. Uh, and like we were saying before, uh, with, with Sarge, he does have that that in him, that that, that technique. But he's, he's wholehearted. That's what he wants to do. He was stopping a try, and that was the only thing in his mind. And um, yeah, he's clattered him. If it's high, it's high. Even if it's not, it's a reckless tackle. Um, and if it went the other way around and it was on our player, I'd be screaming for a red card. So, you know, it's right. He's the wrong man. Wrong decision. Um, I don't really know how the referee got it so wrong when he was stood that close. Mm. He had an in-goal judge behind him and everything. But, look, it, it happened. Did it Did it alter the course of the game? Maybe. Maybe. I, I don't know. There's I, I, no saying that if Sarge had gone, we wouldn't have still won the game. You know, you can't. All these complaints and stuff like that, they're all irrelevant. It happened. You've just got to deal with it. Um, but yeah, it was a, if, he hadn't, if he hadn't done it, would they have scored? Could it cost us the game? You know, so in many ways, you know, it just makes him more of a hero in my eyes, to be yeah. honest with you. But uh, yeah, that's the way Sarge plays. And as fullback, he, he, he will do that. And he, that's the only sad thing, though, that we miss him again for another three weeks. And uh, I think I said to you guys the other day, by the time he's back, He'll have played something like, I think he'll have, he'll have missed something like six out of 15 games so far this season through one reason or another, or, or seven out of 15 or something. It's, you know, that's not ideal when he's, he's one of our, you know, our best players. Obviously, he would have been in the England team this week anyway, so we probably wouldn't have had him. But, um, yeah, the incident itself was was unfortunate, but it happened. Um, and it was up to, up to them 12 lads on the pitch then to... You know, to see us through. Yeah, it was it was obviously a, a big moment, uh, Paul. I, I I look I watched it back again, thinking how did he, how did he not get this right? And uh, you think Sargent kind of picks up the loose ball and just kind of blends into the background like like Predator, like the the film mm. Predator. And I think after it all calms down, they, they, you kind of make a mini huddle and he kind of hides in the huddle. So I, I, referees none the wiser doesn't know who clobbered him, and so he just picks Greenwood out because. Uh, because he, he thinks it was 20-odd, and I think he just picked him, and it was just the way it was. I think it was, you know, it, it was clever for, for what the Salford players did, even though Greenwood kind of protested his innocence as he walked off the pitch, and I think it was Josh Johnson walked over to him and was like, just get off the pitch, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it was a, you know, it was a big, a bad decision. The referee's been sort of demoted now uh, to, to the first uh, first division this week, so he, he's had his punishment. Uh, but, you know, we've had a few, we had a few uh, decisions over the years that haven't gone our way. Uh, and I think this one kind of takes about sort of half of them away. I wouldn't say half of them, Rob. I mean, what what I couldn't understand, <laughs> I, I was sat like, 40 yards away on the halfway line on the side stand, and I could see it was Dan Sarge that did that tackle because I was watching the following the play. So, because you could tell by the way he ran in it with Sarge, and so he's got a touch judge, an in-goal judge, and himself stood there, and, and they've got someone in the crowd, ground, uh, crowd as well, so uh, like a fourth official. So, I don't know how they, how they managed to mess it up, but these things happen in sport, don't they? And, Listening to um, the opposition coach Ian Watson at the end of the game, what I don't want to be disrespectful to, to, to Ian, but what I'd be saying there is, um, why couldn't my team break twelve men down in fifty minutes rather than focusing on that? Because at the end of the day, you can say what you want about it changing the game. Dan Sargent didn't go on and score a hat trick in that game. He didn't really set a load of tries up, so I didn't really get 
get the point they were trying to make there. So I think that was a big smoke screen to, to sort of take the pressure off his own players and things like that. And at the end of the day, it's happened. There's nothing we can do about it. There's nothing Richard Marsh can do about it. The week before, we had a man sin binned wrongly. And that totally changed that, that game. I mean, I'm not saying we would have won that game against all care, but it totally changed the game. So Richard Marshall never once whinged about that the week before. I mean, he even went along with it and said he thought it was a sin minute. So I think sometimes you've got to rise higher than things and, and just get on with it. And, and we did. And you play to the whistle, don't you? It's like a couple of weeks ago, Josh Griffin dropped the ball. We were talking about that, weren't we, in that cup game. Tio Farge picks it up and goes and scores, right? You play to the whistle in rugby league. And you'll find when Australia come over for this World Cup at the end of the year, do you think they'll pat you on the head and say, oh, he's not on there, we'll give him the ball back, fair play and all that. Will they? Heck? They'll play to the... They're ruthless. And that's how you've got to be. And we were ruthless on Friday night. And I, I thought, fair play to Salford. Yeah, we got a bit of luck. And, and it's, it's fish and chip, baby. Just get on with it, don't you? So there's no point moaning about it. It's, it's just one of them things. And yeah, wrong, man. But if you can't win a game there, Huddersfield, this top four side that they're going to be, playing against 12 men, they couldn't break us down. So... There's bigger problems there for them to look at, I think, than just the, the wrong man being sent off. But that was, was poor. Yeah, obviously everyone lifted the performance after we'd gone down to 12 men parking. And you could see that both sort of in attack and defence. I think attacking, we were very smart uh, as the game uh, went on. We played the scenario rather than rather than the team and, and, and the and conditions very, very well. Because uh, I just feel... You could see him. The longer the game went on, the more they panicked, and and you could see balls going down. And we just kept prodding mm. on, playing the sets, uh, and getting in positions. And eventually, Atkin got in a, a drop goal area and and kicked the goal to put the circle. Yeah, the control that we played with um, when we went to twelve men uh, was was brilliant. From that, the two halfbacks and and uh, Andy Ackers controlling the, the kicking. You know, it was, was spot on. It was into the right areas. It was buying us time. It was pinning them back down there under the pitch. Fan, fantastic game management, simple as that. Um, which is, you know, obviously even harder to do when you're playing against an extra man. Um, defensively, we were we were rock rock solid, absolutely brilliant. And it wasn't a case of I've seen it a lot where, where our, our defense kind of hangs back and then drops in a few yards. Mm. It was in the faces. It was putting them off the game constantly. Because if we'd have give them space with the, the extra man. They would have probably, you know, well, they should win the game from there. Um, just all round full credit, but I've got to say, like Paul said before, um, I thought that Patton played well, but but Chris Atkin again, I thought he was so. He, I I don't, I don't really know why we've he's gone under the radar so much when he he's got that game in him. His kicking is fantastic, absolutely brilliant, but everything he did with the ball was clever. It was it it was premeditated all the time. And like Paul said again before about the game plan, we seem to have something with them two guys together. You know, I did predict it last week. I won't brag that uh, it was probably time. That, I know too he had uh, other things going on as well last week, but you know that's. I, I just thought I'd throw that in. Um, but they, I thought they worked brilliantly together. You know, they, they worked off each other and separately, um, and we, that just helped us control the game. Now, one thing I did want to say though is that I, I feel a bit for Scott uh, McLauskis because. For me, he's one of the better referees. He's made a massive howler this week, but generally, I find him a fair referee. He's one of them that you don't walk away from the ground, sort of going, "Oh, he hates us, this guy." Or he's, do you know what I mean? You get you get what you get off him, um, and I do feel for him a little bit because there's more senior referees, shall we say, who make bigger blunders two or three times every week, uh, and then we'll get the grand final and the cup final. So, you know, I do feel for him a little bit. Uh, I hope it doesn't, you know, tarnish him in any way, but. Uh, he got the wrong decision. Uh, there are other people there that could have helped him out and clearly didn't. So, 
but you know, just wanted to go back to that. But um, yeah, no, like you say, Rob, the, the control we had over the game, game management was superb. Uh, every time we got a chance, we just pinned them back down their end. Uh, and they really struggled to make meters. They really did. I, I was so, so chuffed with our, our pack of forwards. And again, you know, we lost moves before the game. You know, our, our pack leader, if you like, and every single one of them stood up. And then we lost another forward during the game. And it, it just kept going. It was seamless. And for most of the game, you wouldn't even realise we only had 12 men. So, you know, I can't, I can't credit the lads enough for this. It was, it was fantastic. Yeah, talking about the Chris Atkins kicking game, uh, Paul, there was a kick with about about a minute to go, 30 seconds to go, that Atkin put deep into their half early in the set. And that kind of, you know, was tactical genius, that, because he can't score from 80 yards away and it put all the pressure on Huddersfield. It did. It, it took the sting out of them. It really did. That And, and the players, I, I can sort of vaguely remember them sort of cheering each other and, 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 and clapping each other and things like that. I thought the team spirit was absolutely fantastic on Friday night. You, you've not seen that really this season. You know, players sort of congratulating each other for a big tackle or, or trapping somebody in goal. They, was, they, they were absolutely buzzing. They were bouncing for that game. And uh, and that's what we've been, been wanting to see. But, um, but no, it was... It was just a performance that sometimes these come along performances like that, don't you think, well, where's that been? Where, where has that been? Everything seemed to, to click into place. And I really hope now Richard Marshall can look at that and go, yeah, I've nailed that position now. He's going to play there. He's going to play there. And I can I can sort that out now. Because I really hope he, he keeps it the same this week and he gets the opportunity against Leeds to... Obviously, he'll have to make a couple of changes because Greg Burke and Dan Sides have been suspended. But I hope the spine on the side now, I'd really like him to give Declan Patton and, um, and Chris Atkin another go at half-back. I think they deserve another chance. Um, but the rest of the side as well, the likes of Elijah Taylor, you had another good big performance from him. Andy Akers, who you've mentioned, I thought was superb. And yeah, I don't know what the script is with the young lad from St. Helens, Ben Davis. I just hope he's staying. But I believe Matty Costello's not far off now, so we've got the players coming in. But... Yeah, we really need to kick on from that now. But it was a great night, great night. It, it keeps our run going as well. At Huddersfield, we've not lost there since 2013. So that's eight years on the spin now. So, uh, so yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a good record for us. Yeah, Parker, you can, I think you can always tell where the team is uh, mentally by how they defend. And I thought there was two big moments. There was the deck pattern, last-minute tackle on, I think it was Kudjo in, on one side of the field. And I think Reese Williams dumping, uh, is it McGilvery onto the, onto the yeah. corner flag on the other side of the field? Sort of extra efforts, which makes the difference in, in crucial games like this one. Uh, without a doubt, moments like that, they, they win your games. It's, it's them little things that, that happen. Both sides, like you say, both both flanks, they, they, they were over as far as you could you could make out. And that extra little effort and that, that, that fight for each other, which, let's be honest, wasn't there in the Warrington game. What definitely wasn't there in the old KR game. You know, some of our defence on, on them, them occasions was, well, embarrassing. And this week, he just made up for it. Every single player just stuck, got stuck in. I mean, like Paul said there about Elijah Taylor. Again, you'll give us the stats in a bit. I'm sure he was probably in the 30s again in these tackles, maybe even more. I don't know. He seemed to be everywhere. Um, and again, a leader, a real leader on the pitch, and that's what you need. But the, the communication as well when you've got 12 men is so key to, to cover them gaps because there's always gaps. Even when you've got 13 men, there's a gap in the line somewhere that somebody, of certainly of an Aiden Caesar's, Skill level could could exploit, um, and they went wide because they knew we'd get we'd have to get sucked in somewhere, and on on every occasion we we did you know we did what we had to do, and and the two times we forced them out of play, game game winners doesn't you know the drop goal wouldn't have counted it wouldn't have mattered for anything um, if them little bits of effort weren't there, and that's it. Depending on our line, to be fair, 
I will say most of the time we're actually quite good. Mm. You know, we, we've had a few this year where we, we've probably let ourselves down a little bit, but it's usually been in the middle of the park where we've had these problems and we, we hang back this week. I think, I don't know if the sending off fired us up as well. I don't know if that had an effect, but we certainly got stuck into them. And Huddersfield, I, I felt at certain parts in the game, we knocked the confidence out of them. And, and I do think, and I might be very wrong, uh, and it, you know, obviously Ian Watson's not around to defend himself on this, but I think perhaps his his nervous energy or whatever about that game got to his players a little bit because mm. they they lost control. They didn't seem to to be focused. They didn't seem to have a game plan. Um, I bet they got a bit overexcited when they realised we'd gone down to twelve men, and they thought, well, this is going to be easy. Uh, I don't know. I think it had a, an, you know the opposite effect on each team. So. But yeah, defensively, absolutely magnificent. And if we defend like that every week, you know, we won't go far wrong. We won't lose many games. And if we do, it won't be by, you know, these 40, 50, 60 points. It's an important win, Paul. But Richard Marshall, as we see in the interview in a minute, he talks about, you know, not getting overexcited about it and just focusing on, you know, one, it's one win and it's a stepping stone uh, to bigger and better things. And I think that's probably the right mentality because we're like bouncing off every one in the house at the moment because we've just beat the other way by a point. But we've got bigger challenges to come. Well, yeah, we've won two in ten. So it's not exactly champagne popping, is it now? You've got Leeds and Wakefield coming up at home. And it'll be like a step forward and two steps back if you lose these two games. Now we need to win both these matches. Um, we need to beat Leeds. And, and we need to put a good show on in front of our supporters. Um, so, yeah, it's a crucial game this weekend, I think. You've done all that hard work now and you can't afford to let that slip. And I don't think they will. I think that 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 was just what we needed. And just thinking what you were saying there about the sending off, I think the sending off did us, did us good. Mm-hmm. I think it brought the team together. And I think that could be the turning point in our season. It could be because that's what we need. That bit of adversity there, it brought the players together and they had to do something about it. It was like fly or, or die, as they say, in it. So and, and they had to do they had to to make a decision there. And I think I think they did. They came together, they put everything in, they ran the blood to water, they tackled the socks off. And we needed a performance like that. we said it a couple of weeks ago, um, about getting a win. Doesn't matter whether it's a big win, as long as it's a win, you know, it might be a scruffy win. And I think saying a scruffy win is disrespectful to both sides. I don't think it was. It was a good game. That was a mm-hmm. cracking match. That There wasn't loads of mistakes in it. It mm-hmm. was just two really solid defences going toe-to-toe. And I thought in the first half that Huddersfield underestimated us. I think they thought we was going to turn up there. Bloody hell, they've let 100 points in two games. These I don't think Ian Watson did, but I think his players did a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, because what I would have done his own work on Salford, there's no doubt about that. He's that sort of coach. But I think his players perhaps did underestimate us a bit. And, 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 and we came out there firing. And we've got to carry that on now. We need to carry that on against Leeds and Wakefield. There's no use admiring it now and, and, and looking at it thinking, oh, we've had a great win there. That win will mean nothing if you, if you go back on a losing run. Yeah, talking about Richard Marshall. Um, this is me speaking to him after the, the press conference after the match. Coach's Corner. All right, Ricky, it's Rob. Hi, Rob. Congratulations on a big win tonight. How do you and your players feel after that? We're ecstatic. We, you know, we're really pleased. We knew it was it was just around the corner. We didn't know it would be quite under the circumstances that, that that's happened today. There was lots that went on in that game uh, that, that we couldn't foresee or predict or even prepare for, uh, which probably makes it all the more all the more sweeter, really, uh, to go to go up against a really strong team who are doing been doing really well. Um, 
and, and get the win was was massive. It's, it's a massive confidence booster for our team. Yeah, Patton and Chris Hacking were your half-back pairing tonight after you left out to Eli here. They were very impressive managing the game and looking dangerous. And as a team, we look more dangerous as well. Yeah, we, yeah, the combinations were, were good. But, but as I said earlier, I thought the pack was outstanding. I thought we had a real good go on the front foot. Uh, Tyrrell here's uh, partner's had a baby this week, so there's a little bit of that uh, as well. And he'd, he'd not prepared uh, in in the week. Um, so yeah, so we just thought we'd have a look at Deck and, and, and Chris. I thought, yeah, I thought it was it, the combination was really good. And but they can both play better as well. Uh, Deck's not, not had a start this season, so. He'll be better for that start. Yeah, James Green was sent off in a case of mistaken identity. As a coach, what what when you're sort of reorganising, what's best losing your fullback or, or losing a forward? Um, well, I think losing a fullback is worse than losing a forward. Um, we've not had, we've not had. I don't know if if looks the word or whatever. Uh, we've not had any anything of of any sort given to us. Uh, and we don't want to. I thought we earned the win, the, the win there, uh, whether it was Sarge or, or, or Greenwood or whoever. Um, I thought whoever <laughs> I thought we were outstanding defensively, and uh, and as I say, we just we nullified threats that Huddersfield threw at us. Yeah, you can't fault your efforts of your players in that second half against our lads. It was incredible. It was. Yeah, that's a fair assessment. It was incredible, but. Uh, this group's have been, you know, we've we've been in the mill. We, you know, we've had fingers pointed at us, and and I thought that was excellent, excellent, just to to repay the faith in the supporters, our fans, our families, every whoever everyone who's been so supportive. Um, but let's not get carried away. There's a long way to go yet. It, you know, it's one win. Uh, it was a one point win, fought out against good opposition away from home, and we'll move on. Yeah, the second half, the effort was there, but you also played the, the scenario well and definitely. Did you think you were, this is the smartest sort of performance from your team uh, so far this season? Uh, I think it was the, most, the toughest, the most resilient performance I've seen for a long time of a lot of teams that I've worked with. Uh, and I mentioned that to the players to go through what we did, losing your skipper in the warm-up and then everything else that went along with that game to come through and, and win. It was really satisfying. Uh, you know, a lot of all the credit goes to the players. <clears throat> they've had it, they've been under the pump, they've been under the spotlight and under the pump. And I thought they, uh, they came through with flying colours this evening. Yeah, leads the uh, next uh, next game. Something, so obviously, with tonight's results, something good to build on. Yeah, that's it. Just, yeah, we're, we're, we're in tomorrow. There's no weekends off or, or celebrating. We're in tomorrow, we're at work. Uh, we'll be reviewing that. We've not reviewed a, a performance like that for a while. So I'm looking forward to the vision this evening. And uh, and then we'll yeah we'll fire in we'll fire in this week. Any injuries? We pick any injuries up. Um, I think young Ben Davis got a bit of a groin strain, but managed to carry on, which was great for us. Uh, he's been a really shining light for us. Um, Elijah Taylor's got a, a knock on his in, into his ribs uh, and come off with a head knock. So did Harvey, um, and obviously Lee Moss up at the start. So that was um, me talking to Richard Marshall after the match. Parking, he. he Credited his players for the fantastic performance, but really he kind of he should be on more and he should be involved in that praise as well because obviously he's built this team uh, and you know they showed fantastic uh, character throughout. Yeah, I mean the pressure that, that uh, it doesn't seem like he's, he's felt it, but the pressure he was he would have been under, you know, another loss. Um, where do you go from there? You know, is it the, the, the board of directors of Warriors start looking and thinking this isn't going well? You know. It, 
it's like, could it be time to change or whatever? So Richard had run under a lot of pressure. Um, but again, he, he, that didn't get passed on to the boys. You know, they, they went out and just did their job. Um, and, he, you know, it's interesting. Listen to how calm he is about it. Mm. You know, I mean, like you say, we're all bouncing off, off the walls and, you know, singing it from the rooftop. That out, Look at us. We just won by a point away from home with 12 men. You know, look, look how good we are. And he, he knows it's a long way to go. You know, just like Paul said, uh, you know, before we, before the interview there, there's no point us winning that and then getting stuffed off leads. You know, he, he knows it's time to concentrate again, feet back on the ground. Let's go again. Let's show him now what, what we have got. Let's get this roll on. We've got two home games coming now, both winnable, you know, against teams literally just above us. You know, we we win this. We go level with, with, with Leeds this week. You know, there's a chance you can do the same and go above them or whatever the week after. I mean, it turns around so quickly in sport. Um, but he's not got carried away, clearly. And, and, and he won't let the team get carried away. And uh, obviously, you know, there's going to be changes again this week. But I think he's, uh, he, he's calmness is what's probably rubbed off on the players there. There's no need to panic. Um, which I think, as I said before, it was the opposite with perhaps Ian Watson. Uh, and his Huddersfield team this week, I think he, I think maybe a little bit of his passion and his, you know, whatever got got into his team a little bit. Um, but no, I, I'm happy for for Richie. He has been under a lot of a lot of stress, and he's not over yet. You know, like you say, it could all go wrong again this week. This is this is how bad sport can be to you. It's not good for your health anyway. Um, but no, he, he, the way he spoke there about his, his team, and he, you can hear it. He, there was a sense of pride in there. About what he, you know, what the team had achieved on the day, but he's not going over the top with it. He's he's just happy to to tick along and let's let's focus on this week now and all the challenges that have been thrown up this week for us. Is it calmness, Paul, or is it elite mentality? Because obviously he's he's coached at England, um, sort of academy. He's been involved at the likes of Warrington and St Helens at a kind of a playing in grand finals and, and things like that. And he knows that yeah, this win is important, but it's about consolidating the next one and, and that's how you build a, a castle I think it's a bit of a mixture of things isn't it sometimes I mean as a coach I don't think you can ride the emotions the same way as a support does because you've got a job to do so you can't sort of enjoy it as much I don't Richard Marshall probably didn't enjoy that weekend as much as we did because he'd be preparing for the week after whereas we can I mean, I was absolutely buzzing Saturday morning and Sunday, and you just you just running around your house telling your kids, "Oh yes, all for one nine eight. Not bothered. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so you, you you live it a bit more, don't you? But he is very calm, Richard Marsh. And one thing I've noticed about him, he does take a lot of um, he deflects a lot of it away from the players, and he has done the last few weeks in, in his interviews, and that he does take a lot of the criticism on board, and and you know, I think he's um, he's a clever bloke. He's doing a good job at Salford and he's had a lot of adversity to put up with as well, hasn't he? We, we've said that, you know, he's never really had the, the same squad. He's had a lot of injuries and they'll be the same this week. But at least this week, perhaps the spine could say, stay pretty similar, you know, with the, with the half-backs and the, and the hooker there. I mean, I know he's going to be a change at full-back. That's another conundrum for him again this week with, with sides beating out. But, uh, but no, he is starting to get, hopefully, a bit of a settled side. And I think that's what we need. I think that's what Rich needs. Yeah, looking at the stats, uh, Parker, top tacklers, um, Elijah Taylor, 31. So you were, you were you were in the 30s, like you said before. Andy Ackers, 51. Greg Burke, 33. Josh Johnson, 31. Harvey Lavette, 32. Jack Wells, 34. And Deck Patton, 31. So uh, a lot of tackling done, but that 12 men. And uh, that's the kind of thing you have to do to, to win a game. 
Yeah, I, I mean, as I mentioned Akers before, I didn't realise he'd done that much defence. I knew he was key in defence, but I didn't think he'd done that much. That's tremendous. Did he say 51? Yeah, 51. That's, I mean, that's a great effort um, from him and, and, and all the foot players. And then Dick Patton having to do 30, 30 odd tackles. Obviously, we're targeting him, saying if you run at him, you will get through him. Obviously, it didn't work, you know. So, so full credit to Deck again. And like Paul said earlier, I hope he gets a run in the team now. Um, brilliant, great. I mean, great work. And it, there was a lot of defence on both sides. Uh, you know, you, you got your ball, you ran it in. You, like Paul said earlier, there's no weren't that many mistakes in the game. So it was full sets. Mm. You know, a lot of tackling to be done, and, and some great work. And um, uh, that's, I mean, that's that's a phenomenal effort from from Akers with all the all the attacking stuff he did as well. That's that's a tremendous effort. I didn't realise he'd done that much. That, that's brilliant. Yeah. Richard Marshall, Paul, um, in the pre-season talks about how he'd worked on his sort of the offensive structure and it kind of showed in, in games like that that when the you know, pressure was on, uh, they managed to managed to keep the keep the boat afloat. Yeah, they did. One thing that particularly impressed me was the defence on the edges. I mean, a couple of times this season we've been caught out out wide, I think especially against Warrington and the OKR game as well, we were kept getting broke down the same side quite a few times, but Joe Burgess has come in and I think he's he's firmed things up. I think he had it in a decent game, defended well. As I keep praising the, the young lad from Saints, Ben Davis, I thought he defended well. I thought everybody did everybody did the job and I thought we did professional at marker who was good round the rook there, defending and it was a really gritty performance and Huddersfield have got some dangerous players and we kept them quiet for, for the whole game. So it, it was good defending. And as I said before, the forwards, I'm waiting for your stats on the, the metres made here because I, I think Jack Wells got well over 100 in that game. He probably proved me wrong now, but he seemed to take the ball up sort of every other tackle. He, he was running the ball. I thought, blimey, how much work's he doing the lad? But um, I thought he was tremendous. I was reading the League Express today and I don't know how they worked that one out. I think there was one Salford player. I think Chris Atkin got three points on the, the man of the match. Then it was two Huddersfield players got two and one. And I thought... Not having that, I thought Jack Wells was should have been definitely in that. So I don't know where they got that one from, but I think every player who played Friday night, when you're doing those match ratings, you'd have been eight and nine for all of them. Really, I thought they were all. You say that to me, Rob, don't you? You should say that about. You want people to be eights and nines every week if you're going to do well, and and I thought they were all eights and nines. There was no fives and sixes in there. They were all solid and and and, and good performances. Yeah, let's go on the metres then, uh, Paul. Jack Wells, 159. Dan Sanders, 209. Harville, Avet, 94. Josh Johnson, 124. Seb, 101. Akers, 89. And Elijah Taylor, 116. So, I've, like I say, most weeks, if you get three, four, five <laughs> over 100, you're going the right way. How many did Dan Sargeson get? 209. 209 in, in 30 minutes? Blimey, He'd have been on the old game. They'd have got 500 metres, the lad. That's what, That's what yeah, it says. Well. I think Jack Wells, 159 for a forward. That's their uh, their big yards because with the forward as well, you're not sort of running out wide and running space. Are you? That is solid metres where you're hitting a man and, and carting that ball forward. So I think 159, that, that's a... That's like NRL stuff, isn't it? That, that's what them lads do every week. So, like I said before, for, for Jack now, I just want to see him blossom now and, and keep going because I think we've got a little gem there in him. Well, a big gem, he's a big lad. But, um, you know, speaking to Richard Marshall on the week, he was saying that he's he's a really committed young lad. He, he gets down, you know, with the, the junior clubs. He's a local lad. He, he loves going down there, helping those guys out as well. He seems a real sort of levied, level-headed lad. Nice, quiet lad as well. And, you know, I wish him all the best. It's lads like that that, that that the fans warm to, don't they? And I think Jack Wells is becoming a big, firm favourite of the supporters. 
Yeah, I, I just wanted to add there, actually. Me, me, uh, I know he's, he, you mentioned him down at the, the amateur clubs. I know he's down at Folly, uh, Jack, doing a bit with uh, uh, Costello, funnily enough. Um, and my brother and takes my nephew there, and he were training the other night, and he was down. And uh, my brother was chatting to, to Jack's uh, dad, and he was saying how much he's loving it. He, he's just loving being involved, getting the game time he wants. You know, obviously he's playing for his hometown team. That's that's big enough anyway. But at last he's getting his his chance at Wigan. He was a bit part here and there. He made his you know he he debut and a few starts, and then he got left out. And that that's going to happen at that kind of club, I suppose. You know, um, but he's absolutely loving his time now, and I think we're getting the best out of him. And I was going to save this for the man of the match thing, but I've got to say, I, Jack Wells was man of the match by an absolute mile the other night. Not even, not it's not even a question. Every, every time we had the ball, he seemed to have it in his hands. I didn't, I didn't quite, you know, it seemed to be him every time. I was thinking, how many Jack Wells have we got? Yeah. <laughs> and, and playing prop forward, he's not He's not a prop forward. He's not built like a, a traditional prop forward. But he's been put there the last few weeks and he's done a job and he's done a job really well. And the other night, I, I, you know, like I said, I've been holding back because obviously the man of the match thing. But I, I'm, I'm going to say, you know, he, he was phenomenal. Absolutely yeah. phenomenal. If he carries on like that, you know, he's got a massive, he's only young. You know him, him, and and Harvey Levet for me, two absolute standouts in in, in our pack. Uh, both young, both getting the chance now to play constantly, week in, week out, and it just proves what you can get out of a player. And I'm I'm delighted for the pair of them. Certainly, Jack being a local lad, it's uh, it was it was magnificent to see the other night. Yeah, I, I did get it wrong, uh, Paul, because of my handwriting. It's two hundred seven, not two hundred nine. Oh right, so well it was. It's not bad, though, is it? Nope. Two, two meters, boy. It's still that's the length of me. That so, uh, <laughs> so yeah, you're not done too bad, as it's two hundred and seven. But no, I'll just go go with Parkin as well. My man of the match was was Jack Wells all night long, and I, I think I put that on your, on your Twitter. I thought it was coming of age performance from a, a young. And there's nothing better than seeing a young player who's. I know he's he, he was at Wigan for a while, but he's a local lad, and there's nothing better than seeing a young lad doing that in, in your team. And uh, no, I'm really pleased for him. He seemed a really good guy. Yeah, Un- unsung hero though for me, Parker Josh Johnson, 124 meters mm-hmm. and 31 tackles, and that is a shift and a half. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, yeah, he played. He played well. I noticed a few of his runs were a bit blockbusting. Mm. Knocking forward over. Um, I've just thrown my pen on the floor. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> no, he was. Uh, he, he was. He really. He did stand out the other night. The only thing I, I, I was a bit sort of not put off by maybe you know Richie Marshall being a bit cautious for the squad was that uh, luckily they didn't get a game because I think he's really shone in the last few weeks. But Johnson's obviously coming in his place to do that job. And he did it really well the other night. He, he, he did stand out. I remember him making a couple of runs where he was, they were blockbusting. And I think, I, I might I might be wrong, but was it his run not one that set up the, the drop goal, led up to the to the drop goal that won us the game? Mm. I'm sure he was involved in that play, yeah. just driving the ball direct at them, making metres, and, and metres after contact, not just, you know, going down the first man. Um, yeah, he, he played really well. Uh, and again, you know, he, he's got time on his side. And he's not had that much experience Super League-wise. Um, I didn't realise he'd actually played at Huddersfield as well. I wasn't aware of that, but we got, you know, that, that was that was information. That three of our four on the bench had all played at Huddersfield. That uh, makes a change, doesn't it? It's usually the other way around. They're all exalted <laughs> players. But yeah, uh, no, good good to see. And then there's that competition again now. You know, who comes in? Obviously, Berkey's out this week. So probably Sam Luckley will come back in. 
uh, depending on injuries. But the, you know, we've got that we've got that sort of flexibility where you can take one player out and put another one in. You know, there's no difference, and that's that's what you're looking for in the squad. You don't want this this guy's an absolute superstar, and you've got to put him in with you know somebody who's of lesser. You know, it doesn't matter if they're both brilliant or both you know on the same level. But once you place, you know, you bring one in, you're not losing anything. Uh, yeah, so he, he played well the other night. And uh, he's good to have that back up off the bench. Yeah. Big thanks for your three-word match reports for Man of the Matches. Uh, OSF, complete team performance. Jack Wells, Pete Brady, what a team, all 17. He's a poet and doesn't know it. I said uh, potential season changer. Patton. Paul. Um, I, I think it was. I think the longer that game on, the longer the game went on, and I thought, if we can see it here, our season could go down the tubes, and we didn't. And I think that's going to be a back of big, 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 big thing going forward. Yeah, definitely. It was. And I think one thing, before I forget to mention, I think the supporters there, behind the sticks, I thought they were absolutely outstanding. You could hear them all game, and I don't know if you could hear them on the, the telly on the hour league, I think it was on that, but there was only about two and a half thousand at the ground. But the Salford supporters, I think they give the, the team a real lift. And I think they have done since they've come back. Um, and they, they did do, they, they sang their hearts out all the way through that game. And the relief at the end when that final looter went, you, you could feel it around the ground. It was tremendous. Well, the relief when they went for that drop goal and we, we sort of got the ball back, that that was relief. The players there, it's like, oh, it just, it was a massive relief. And that win, I think, yeah, definitely, I think it could be a game changer, that Rob. I think we've got to build on that now. And it's sometimes it does take something like that to, to change a season. Uh Duncan, Duncan, great desire and effort. Uh, David Walling back in business. Ackers, uh, Martin, Ackers, Atkin, Patton. And his man of the match was the team. Uh, Red Devils fan, uh, Hearts of Lions, all of them. Colin Wilson, please for Marshall Wells. Craig Wallwork, uh, James Greenwood for taking the Sargenton red card. Um, David Howe, uh, finally halves dictate. Uh, Wells was his man of the match. Gary Williams, proud, 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 the team. Graham, it uh, wasn't, he, he said, take that, Watto. I suppose if you play against your old side, uh, Parker, you, you want to do, you want to sort of put one over on them. But when your old side put one over on you, and it's a kind of a, in a controversial ways, which you probably didn't get when you were coached there, it probably sticks in the throat that a little bit more. I, I think you can tell by uh, the interviews after the game who it affected the most. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's always good if you're an ex-player and you're going back to a club or, you know, certainly probably as an ex-manager. Um, if you get the win, you know, it, it means more. This time, it's the other way around. And, um, you know, I'm delighted it was. But uh, it, that'll, that'll hurt. That'll hurt a lot uh, on, on their end. Um, but, yeah, it was good to... Uh, it's always good to get one over on, on somebody, isn't it? Uh, it doesn't matter what the connection is, I suppose. It's it's always good to be, you know, in this case, your old manager. So, uh, yeah, fantastic. I'm sure, sure the players that knew Watto and, and played under him would have been there, would have been super proud the other night of themselves and, and, and all the teammates for making that happen to say, you know, you left us, well, you know, there's payback. Harvey Reid up the Reds, Atkin, Ernie, ground it out, Ackers. Uh, your mate, Roy Ellaby, Paul, um, frustrated at home because he, I think he couldn't get there. So, because obviously the, the he couldn't really keep up with how the game was going because the Salford feed wasn't sort of minute by minute, uh, which is a frustration for him. But I suppose it's even more tense when you when you're not knowing what's going on. 
Yeah, that's right. And, and happy birthday to Wright. It's his, his birthday today as well. He's, uh, has he been round? He, he had, well, he texted me before. He, he'd been for a four-mile walk, he said, for his birthday. Four but, miles? Yeah, it's a long way. He does a lot of walking, does, does Roy. But we've just been trying to organise a brew. I'm going to meet up with him uh, for a brew soon, because considering he lives like so close to me. So I'll have a chat about all things. So he's a good lad, Roy. But I think he would have had it on the radio, because I know Jack Dearden was there. But I think they had reports from... Um, Wigan, I think. Wigan was, was the GMR game, wasn't it? The Radio Manchester game. So, uh, I think it was just updates at Salford. But you see, it must be frustrating when you're not there and you, you can't get it on, on, on Twitter or whatever. Because Twitter's normally pretty good, isn't it, for, for updates and things like that. Um, Mark Scott, backs the walls. Wells, Tony Frame, blood to water. Every single player. Chris Seedhouse, rock solid defence. Seb, Mike Woodbridge, kickstart the season. Wells, David Deakin, best performance yet. Uh, all 17. James Hoskinson, pride, passion, belief, Ackers. John Waite, pride, grit, aggression. Um, Elijah Taylor, Chris Sloan, great defence performance, Wells. Paul, you said nearly in tears, Wells. Stuart Shields, all of them. Patrick Conley, huge, huge performance. Man of the match, Wells. And brackets, Ackers, Seb, Atkin, Taylor. You can only have one, Patrick, so we'll go with Wells. Clarkie, about time. Uh, I suppose I suppose it is one of them. We've been waiting long enough for for a big performance now, uh, which is which is one of them. Hopefully, it'll continue. We'll get more in the coming weeks. Mark Taylor, lost for words. Adam Aubrey, happy for Marshall Wells. And final one, we've got Steve Doyle, bring on Leeds, and his man of the was a uh, pattern Paul. Yeah, you can't argue with any of them, can you? Really, and it, it's funny sometimes you you think about what a difference a week makes and, and, and a week's a long time in rugby league and you think back to, to seven days previously was it okay it was like the old world had fallen apart what are you 40 points to four and it was a bit of a desperate defeat that and then seven days later you're in heaven aren't you you're winning 9-8 against your old manager with 12 men in their own backyard it it, it just it, it's funny how things change round and I come on driving home from, from the Huddersfield game I had a chat with you Parky didn't I on the way home and when I put the phone down to park, I was just thinking to myself, wow, this is why you do this. This is why you, you follow them because, yeah, they can get beat one week and, and you read stuff on the internet and people say, oh, I'm not going again, they're rubbish and all that. And I think, but you will do though because that's why you go again because these good times, you enjoy them a bit more because you think, bloody hell, I remember the week before we got beat for 60 against Warrington. So that is, that's what makes sport and rugby league and football and other team sports a supporter. I think that's what makes it magical. It really does. Yeah, I think we'll, I think we'll leave it on that point. Uh, Paul, because that's perfectly put for me. So that's the that's the talk about the Udersfield game. What we'll do now, look at all the big news uh, coming out of the club this week. So we'll start with the Leeds game. Originally scheduled for Friday, Parky. Now moved to Sunday. Leeds have a few players involved in the in- midweek international and a few players down with COVID as well. There's like a obscure rule that if you have more than five, you can ask for it to be postponed uh, or moved, and that's what's that's what's happened basically. Yeah, um, I've got to be. I want to be careful. I want to be diplomatic. What I say, but um, no, no. Well, it's a joke. It's a joke. It's an absolute fast. The game is. It's run by morons, I think. I've got, I'm sorry, I'm not. Why would put an international, which is apparently so important to, to the England build up to the World Cup, on the same weekend as as other Super League matches in the first place? It is, makes no sense whatsoever. Even in football, when they have friendlies in the Premier League, the money that's in that, 
They don't have games. They call the games off. They have a week off, whatever. But I don't understand this this thinking. Of course, all the, the good teams are going to lose players, all their best players. That's what's going to happen. And and this All-Stars, it's a fiasco. They're getting players from the Championship and everywhere. This is not an All-Stars team. This isn't something that's going to test a big, strong international side, is it? What, what, what are we proving by doing this? You know, if, you, if you're going to take International Rugby League seriously, which they should be doing, in my eyes, I love International Rugby League, have a weekend off. Have a weekend off. And if you want, pick two England sides or British sides, whatever you want, and play them against each other. This, this fixture now makes no sense to me. It was supposed to be an overseas All-Stars, wasn't it, initially? And then you've got, you know, Jake Connor and Cruz Lehman and, and people like that, whatever. In it. You, what, hang on, what, what's happened here? You know, and it's not only Leeds that are losing players. Other, other teams are and still playing, by the way, on the same night. They've not rescheduled. They've not, they've not bottled it as such. Um, I think it's a joke. I, I don't... I know if you're getting games called off for COVID, which Leeds did again and didn't travel to Catalan again without punishment. Uh, the questions have got to be asked, well, why, where's this COVID outbreak come and why is it causing us so many problems? Somebody's responsible. Somebody's got to be, you know, looking after the team. Uh, and then the way it affects us, you know, that we now, we've now got to play three games in eight days. That's ridiculous. Player welfare. That's what they were banging on about a year or so ago. And then last year when we were going through this, this crisis, we had a cup final coming up, we had the semi-final and everything, and we had so many league games to ca- catch up on. And we decided one day that we just didn't have enough players, or fit players, that we could safely play a game. We lose the game 24-0 by the RFL or Super League and get a fine. I mean, double standards. This is ridiculous. And I, I do feel for Richie Marshall and the players this week because they'll have focused all week from last week on peaking at a certain time. You don't change it with two days to go. I'm sorry. I think it's stupid. I think the RFL and, and Super League need to have a look at themselves about this. Um, there's no. If you're going to play a game, at least make it worthwhile. This game isn't going to be worthwhile in the first place. Nobody's going to learn very much from it. You know why? I, I, like I say, I, mean, I mentioned Jake Connor because is he not going to be in the England squad for the World Cup as one of the best players in Super League? I mean, what what are we what are we doing? And then we lose two players. Ken Seo and Paulie to, to this All-Stars team. That's That that needs looking at. That word, doesn't it? All-Stars. I'm Probably not, I'm all not stars sure they are. But, you know. Um, and then, so, one of them could get injured and we'll lose them. In, in mid, mid-season, when you can't afford it, it's stupid. Um, the RFL and Super League have absolutely done us over. And I know Salford have ended up agreeing to it, but I don't think they had any option. I really don't. I don't think Paul King believes it. Richard Marshall, I don't think they had any choice, really. Because we, we'd have been the ones that would have got, got punished. Or I could have seen, if we'd have said, well, we can't play, I don't know, whether Sale had a game or something like that, oh, you'd have to play it at their place. Or you'll play it at neutral ground, and we'd have lost out anyway. Yeah. I, I could see that happening. That's the way they, they seem to work these days, the authorities. And once again, it's Salford who suffer. And I, I just feel for Richard and the team. And I hope, I really hope, in a Kevin Keegan moment, that we beat them, I really do. <laughs> I think I think the problem, uh, Paul, is the fact that the RFL and the Super League are sort of two separate sort of organisations that run side by side rather than together. And moments like this, where you should really talk to each other and say, "Look, this is what we're doing," it doesn't. It didn't happen. And 
I suppose owners of, of clubs need income. They need, especially with the pandemic and everything, they've, they've lost a lot of money, haven't they, over the, over the last sort of 18 months. So they need games and they need games quick. So for them to not have any game this week might have been a, a problem uh, financially. So I understand why they, they why they probably did it, but the nuts and bolts of it, the players who are playing for England are going to be playing for the clubs as well. So you can't be in two places at once. So that that's a massive problem um, as well. Paul King came out and, and kind of uh, said that, you know, it's all about player welfare. I thought really the whole thing is a bit 3D chess because you've got, so the Leeds kind of saying, well, we're back in International Rugby League, but, you know, we haven't got the players. If we can move it back, we'll, you know, we might be out of play. Paul King comes out and says, oh, you know, it's it's all about player welfare. We've got to make sure we look after our players and we don't want to play um, seven games in 28 days in August. I'd rather play three in eight now. So you've got that battle going on as well. And then you've got, like you said, the Super League and, and the RFL. And you're looking at what's happening with other teams of Uddersfield only naming 13 players. Um, on their squad, even though they come up with some excuse about having to add to players later, but the initial press release, and the initial image of having only thirteen people on that uh, sort of squad rotor that's been plastered everywhere. Now that's that's the that's the message, isn't it? It's not, you know, what happens in two weeks, you know, three days down the line when they add six youngsters to it and they get a seventeen. So it's it's all very very three D chess to me. I think a lot of that sometimes is just mind games and that I think they just put it out there for the shock value. Don't know, get this on Twitter and let's have all have a look at this. But mm. I don't I don't buy all that. I think I read um, an article um from Dave Woods this week where he wrote about the international game and it's something that my dad's been saying for years and um he he said to me, I totally agree. He says the rugby league is too parochial. Teams don't care about the fight, uh, about the international mm. game. All they care about is the clubs. Wigan and St. Helens, all they're bothered about is their derby. They don't really give a toss about international rugby, and they don't. But what they need to realise is people who live in London and Birmingham and other parts of the country want international rugby. They don't care about St. Helens and Wigan and the whole derby because they're not from round here. They, they, they'll, they'll watch England, though. You know, if there's something on the telly that involves your country, people will watch it, and rugby league don't seem to get that. Look at the crowds at Rugby Union have. Their international game is up there, and ours is down here, because we jettison ours all the time. This weekend should have been about international rugby league. No Super League teams. It should have, If you're going to have an international, sod the money, you put, you put your internationals on. And what they could have done is played that international on Friday night, no Super League games, but perhaps said to people who had season tickets for Super League clubs, well, go and watch your local championship team on the Sunday or your local League One and just done it like that just to give them a bit of money. But I don't know. They, they don't always seem to look at the bigger picture for me. If you've got an international, you can't have both on that weekend. You need to, you know, I don't know. We always seem to do things daft when it comes to an international. We've got a World Cup coming up there and it's not getting the focus that you should get. And it, it, it's, it's a fantastic sport. We all know that. But I just think sometimes we hide it in a drawer and don't get the best out of it. And and, and like I said, for, for the time I've watched Rugby League, it's always been about the clubs and things like that. And they've never sort of pushed the Rugby League. I mean, if you go back to sort of the late 80s, early 90s, when I first started watching Rugby League, the international game was quality. It was fantastic. We were nearly filling stadiums, weren't we? Getting 50,000 Old Trafford and massive crowds. Whereas now... If you had an international this weekend, you'd be lucky to get 20,000 for it because it's just not there anymore. And I think questions need to be asked on how we publicise the international game. Yeah, Paul King came out with a statement, uh, Parker, to, to tell us, you know, 
the reasoning behind the decision and, and how you know how it affects us. Three games in, in eight days now, or seven games in 28 days in August, Parky. Do you think you made the right decision? I don't. I don't think you should be in that position to have to make that that that's, that uh, choice. That's that's the whole point. This, he's been forced into making this this decision. Him and Richard Marshall shouldn't have happened. Just shouldn't. We. I don't understand how they get themselves in this mess. I don't mean the club. I mean rugby league. Paul's got. Paul's can only do so much. He's got to look after his club and his players. But he understands. He understands what leads of you know what the problem is. And right. Well, well fair enough. We shouldn't be doing this in the first place. This was the whole point. There shouldn't be Super League games on the same weekend. Therefore, we don't have to make a decision between three and eight and seven and twenty odd or whatever, nine and twenty or whatever it is. There's only rugby league can do this. They can make a mess of anything. And I feel for him. And uh, it's not just that. It's people who've made plans. Weekend, you got a, you got a weekend. You go to the match on the Friday. You got a weekend. Take the kids away, or you do this, or you do. It. People, people have already bought tickets two days before. It changes. I don't know how it goes on with the people who would be dining, you know, the sponsors and stuff like that, who now probably can't go because it's a Sunday. Because a lot go on a Friday because they can take their employees, part of the working day, it's a bit of a, you know, when it gets to a weekend, people want their own time. At one o'clock on a Sunday now because of this. It, it, the whole thing stinks. I'm sorry, I, just, I can't get my head around it. And there is only rugby league that would make this this mistake. Um and Paul, what Paul said is very diplomatic. I'm sure what he really thinks is, is very different. <laughs> and he would like to point the finger. But let's be honest, we get punished enough for things we don't do. So um, he, he's wise to keep his words to himself in that way. But um, no, it, it just shouldn't happen. We shouldn't have that many games. And like we've just said, there's a World Cup at the end of the year. This season should have been spaced out enough to give players time to, to recover, to be ready for facing the Australians, the Kiwis, the Tongans at the end of the year. Because they'll, they'll be a lot fresher than we are. And their season is tougher than ours. But let's not play games. If they're playing in the NRL, their season's tougher than ours. Some of them guys will have played uh, uh, State of Origin, which is another thing that clashes with a game on Sunday. Stupid. Uh, never mind the, the youth amateur game, which, you know, anyone who's, who's got an away game with it, their son or, niece, uh, or daughter or whatever might not be able to make the game now. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. No thought into it. Um and like I say, when we were lucky that Sale aren't playing there, because then what? You know, there's nowhere to move. Stupid. We're in, we've been put into a corner where we can't get out uh, and given no option, really, by, by the RFL. Um, and, you know, I'm sure Leeds will have two or three fresh players back for Sunday, you know, all the miracle. Uh, and even those that play on Friday will probably play as well. So, no, stupid idea. Shouldn't have, have a free weekend or don't play this pointless game. Simple as that. But what comes first? Super League or international? Well, for me, neither. They're both as important as each other and they need to be respected in the right way. We, we're just not doing that. OK, think of what we'll do there. We'll, we'll cut for there and uh, what we'll do, I think we'll do the rest of the news and the preview for the game against Leeds uh, tomorrow. So big thanks for tuning into this uh, podcast and we'll see you tomorrow for more Salford Chat.
Insane. Insane. <laughs> <laughs>